All right, welcome to the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast, Episode 9, Bye Bye Arizona. It's <laughs> a good song. I saw those guys in concert in Chicago. Fantastic. Pain of Salvation. Yep. Fantastic. So the podcast, as uh, as always, is Jason Evans and myself, David Biggs. We uh, we made it back home from uh, from Florida, where we took a little vacation out to see football at a at a local bar out in Orlando. The, worth worth the trip, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> Rock and Brews was pretty sweet. It was, and the funny thing about it is there were. Um, there were a couple of Dolphins fans that that sat down for like the entire game, watched the whole game, and then left like uh, a minute before they ended up winning in overtime with Matt Moore. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. They must figure that oh well, with no Jay Cutler, we have no chance. Yeah, that's that's a funny sentiment, isn't it? It's uh, missing out on the punchline though. It sucks, right? That's like going to uh, a comedy show and then holding your ears right before the joke hits every time. Every time you have to have really <laughs> bad timing, and I guess that's what Jay Cutler fans have. So we, uh, you had the honor of bringing in some beers based on a bet that we made last week, and uh, what are we drinking this evening? I think we are drinking one of the best beers I've ever had, to be honest. Yeah, I've good. had it before. It's really one of the greatest examples of this style. It's the Ninja vs. Unicorn Double India Pale Ale from Pipeworks Brewing. It's, it's not too fruity. It's not too bitter. It doesn't have any funky taste. It's just amazing. Well, that's the kind of uh, the Two Face like design that the whole can has, and a lot of Pipeworks artwork is really cool. You should check them out if uh, if you know what you're talking about as far as beers are concerned. These guys will be up your alley. They make all sorts of different beers, and uh, we hope that maybe one day they'll be a Drink Five sponsor. But what's cool is it's split down the middle, and you've got kind of like that evil uh, um, double IPA ninja, you know, versus the unicorn that comes through with all the good it's a flavors. Raging and... unicorn. <laughs> he's kind and of. There must raging. be a badass unicorn if he's like biting on a sword and like holding his own against a ninja. Right. It's like a zombie unicorn on on like multiple drugs. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, great brew. So appreciate that, Jason. Uh, and we'll probably have a couple of those before the show is over. But I wanted to uh, jump right into uh, week seven and what we might have learned from the week. So let's talk about uh, Brett Hundley and the Green Bay Packers. So as, as we all know, Aaron Rodgers went down the previous week, which is a blow to a lot of fantasy teams. Did that hit you uh, in the balls a little bit? Uh, right in the dynasty balls. <laughs> right squad in the nuts. So, you know, Brett Hundley looked like he had some potential when he came in for Aaron Rodgers. But really last week, I mean... Maybe the New Orleans defense is for real. I mean, we have to stop saying that, oh, it's just been a uh, a fluke because it's been about four weeks now that they've performed very well. Um, but, hey, you know, aside from a really good running play, the Green Bay offense couldn't put anything together. Yeah, we, we talked about earlier in the season that the New Orleans defense kind of uh, they said they had their defense a little bit more put together, um, that they were going to go out there and make some good plays, etc. And like you said, since they've been doing well, making a good showing against opponents, then it's certainly possible that they are becoming a, uh, a good NFL defense again after several years of, uh, of kind of just waiting in the shallow end. I suppose let's not get ahead of ourselves, right? They are no longer in the basement. 
For the last, what, three years, they were 30, 31, 32. Now they're like right in the middle of the pack, which is all that Drew Brees needs to win games. Yeah, it's true. If he gets a team that's going to stop giving up 30 points a game, he'll be able to put up close to 30 points a game, and they're going to win all the time. Yeah, uh, They're like suddenly the new powerhouse in the NFC South, a team that sent someone to the Super Bowl the last two years. Or sorry, a, con- a division that has sent someone to the Super Bowl the last two years. So... You know, I don't know if the Saints are Super Bowl caliber with a team like the Eagles uh, in the NFC. But back to the Packers, um, I saw a lot of bad things from Hundley. He was rushing his passes. He was making a lot of rookie mistakes where uh, you sort of focus in on one receiver and that's all you, you – you know, you stare down a guy, you're going to get picked off. Or you're going to overthrow people. You're going to wait too long to uh, outthrow the ball. Like when you're throwing a deep route – to Jordy Nelson, you got to throw it right away. Yeah, he you looked like a rookie out there. You can't for him to get down the field because Nelson's too fast for that. He, he, did, he didn't look great. So we were saying uh, maybe we could count that because of the New Orleans defense, but there were things he was doing, like you mentioned, that just weren't very good. So it's not a good sign for the Green Bay offense. And putting aside Aaron Jones, who had a, a good performance over the past couple weeks and has kind of locked himself in as... Uh, is that number one running back there, and we'll talk about that later. The the passing offense, so talking about Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, and Martellus Bennett, all of who performed to a, a, a pretty good level or an elite level, depending on the player, um, are just, I don't think, going to do very well for the remainder of the season, or at least until Aaron Rodgers gets back. So we the talked immediate future for sure. Yeah, we talked about this. I think, uh, well, off off record, probably off off the podcast. But in your opinion, uh, you got a guy like Nelson, who's a who's a pure wide receiver one. So does this bump him down to be a WR two or even a WR three? And then those other guys are they even on the radar uh, until something starts happening here? I mean, certainly. Um... Jordy Nelson is going to be bumped down. I was reading something, I believe, on Roto World earlier today. Maybe on Reddit. I, you know, I read too many different uh, places at this point. But they were pointing out that opposing teams have been putting their best cornerback on Devontae Adams the last couple of weeks. They're yeah. not even focusing on Jordy Nelson anymore. He'll still get his targets. He'll yeah. get his. He'll get his work. But it, it it seems interesting to me that teams see Devontae Adams as a larger threat. I also think that one of the one of the trends I've been seeing. Uh, in the NFL over the last few weeks is that the best cornerback will be covering the second best receiver all alone. That's what uh, um, Malcolm Butler was doing on Sunday night with Mohamed Sanu, and then they just double the best guy. So Julio's running in double coverage all night. I'm sure that Jordy Nelson was running in double coverage all day. Uh, and they, they don't put their best guy on the best receiver anymore. They just double them, put the best guy on the other guy, and it, it's working out pretty well for defenses well that's a good plan games are you know are slacking right well now. that's going to force uh the offense especially here talking about green bay for example to be passing to randall cobb uh as the wr3 a lot of times he's going to be the uh the second third or fourth look in the offense and he only ended up catching two of four targets for 15 yards so i started him in a league you know i thought that maybe he would he would come out on top because of this but apparently not and as we all know, we, we do need a couple games under our belt here with Hundley and to see what the, the offensive scheme is going to look like. But it's not very promising for people outside of Nelson, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm not even super encouraged by Nelson. I mean, Brent Hundley could only complete eight passes. You don't want any of the receivers on a team that's only completing eight passes. Yeah, and Bennett, a guy who was like, um, you know, struggling to be a top end uh, tight end two, is probably now just off the radar completely. Um, you sometimes get games with these um, starter quarterbacks, uh, guys that, that haven't started a whole bunch of games. 
um, where the tight end is a safety valve. And you see that in, in things like Kyle Rudolph um, when you've got offensive guys out or a new quarterback in. But in this case, I, I think the Green Bay offense doesn't run through him at all, and we're not going to see very much of uh, of Bennett going forward, at least not startable in a fantasy team. Absolutely not. Yeah, I would say that, especially with bi- big bye weeks coming up, um, I think the Packers are one of those teams on bye right now. Um, but Jordy Nelson and Aaron Jones are going to be maybe the only startable players to rely on. Uh, Devontae Adams I would probably throw in if, you know, if my options are limited, like a Taylor Gabriel yep. or something like that. So, number two, will the Browns ever be good at football again? So, before I go into the rest of my question, let's just start with that question. <laughs> When's they... the last time the Browns were good at football? Um, <laughs> I, I think probably back in the in the early 90s or late 80s, something like that. Yeah, you know they had Bill Belichick for their coach for a little while? Well, is that when they were good? <laughs> Is that they, when they, he they, he did build up a decent team and then they went to Baltimore and that team eventually won a Super Bowl. Is that when he just started uh, coaching for the Browns? Because the Browns were good, you know the 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 dog pound, uh, the the team that was eternal rivals with the Steelers. They they were good in the seventies. They 70s really battled and 80s it out and, like with the they they um, were in a lot of AFC Championship games with the Broncos. You know they've really frustrated John Elway a bunch early on. They had some kind of miracle game that's still uh, played in, in playbacks. Uh, something like uh, this crazy comeback that happened in like a postseason game. I wish I had the details, but they were a good team. Unfortunately for them uh, and for most of us playing nowadays uh, that are a little bit younger, and by that I mean probably under forty, we haven't really seen them play well ever. Well, yeah. Look, the the Cleveland Browns left Cleveland in '95. <clears throat> And they didn't become a franchise again until they started up as essentially an expansion franchise. Yeah. Um, but we're in Cleveland, took the name, took all the historical records. And ever since then, they have been terrible. As evidenced by the, the, the greatest quarterback ever to play in that stadium is Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, that's a great stat for me, being a Steelers fan. It just means that they've the, got the this, winningest quarterback, I should say. This quarterback carousel, which we're seeing again, and you were you were talking about it the other day again when we were when we were out at the bar because it it was Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser, uh, you know, faded out to Kevin Hogan. Benched again this week. Kevin Hogan back to Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser to Cody Kessler. Yeah. So they don't have any idea what they're doing out there, and we can't in good faith recommend starting any Cleveland Browns player, in my opinion. Even a guy like Duke Johnson or Isaiah Crowell, who have been good in the past and do have good games occasionally, are still only going to be flex-level players at, at, on, on their best day. The, the Browns need some kind of spark. They need some kind of Like a Josh savior. Gordon? Like a Josh Gordon, Dave. <laughs> You're reading my mind. So, I mean, you know... Maybe he comes back in a couple weeks. Maybe not. Well, I follow him on Instagram. His name is Flash. There, Flash Gordon, and and ah! <laughs> and his uh, his past couple posts have been all football related. A couple one the his last post that got everyone excited in a community that I hang out in uh, was like uh, I'll be back soon or something like that. And you know, I, I think he has the opportunity to come back He's this season. He's just been season. AFK a while. I can certainly see uh, the Cleveland Browns trying to shoot for something like that just because, if anything else, they want to get people into their stadium and get people excited about their team that can't win any games. Uh, Jarek McKinnon may be the head shareholder of the Vikings' rushing offense, and he definitely took that over in the absence of Dalvin Cook. But this past week, Latavius Murray outperformed him on similar carries, on similar uh, snaps, uh, for 18 
uh, attempts uh, he had, 113 yards and a touchdown. So, again, I, I still I like Latavius Murray. I think that Minnesota might be kind of like Jacksonville and that they have a they've got a good offensive line that's making gaps for the runners. So when when they can learn those um, you know the offensive schemes and they can get some chemistry with the with the blockers, mm-hmm. I think anyone there can do well. I think we're going to see both of those guys do a lot and I think that because Diggs is, has been injured and remember last year Diggs got injured too at the end of the year or in the middle sometime and he came back and he was never the same. So we might have right. a we might have a team where you've got uh, Case Keenum as the quarterback, maybe Bridgewater, maybe Bradford, but those guys are kind of like ghosts in the in the Belfry right now. Yeah, uh, and then you've got Adam Thielen, who fine, he's a good receiver, but he's he's no all star. Uh, Adam Thielen had twelve targets in this game, only five catches. Right, he's not a number one guy, but he's he's being treated as such because he has to right. be. And the running backs basically split touches. I wouldn't expect Latavius Murray to take over the backfield. Jarek McKinnon is probably the better player right now, and he's more useful to the team because he can catch the ball out of the backfield. But Murray was just finding big holes all the time. No, I'm suggesting that it's going to be those two guys with a hot hand, even split until someone does better uh, all throughout the rest of the season. Sure, and they're great at running the ball. Like you said, 33 carries for 169 yards for the whole team. Um, so, you know, they're just going to keep running the ball. They ran the ball more than they threw it, which is a bit of a rarity in today's NFL. Yeah. And, and you're seeing that, though, on some of these teams. Again, Jacksonville, uh, who has uh, far more uh, rushing... Um, I forget the stat. It's 21 point uh, something. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can remember it. What's the context? I... I I don't quite remember. I'll have to dig it up. But but they have a couple of uh, of like league leading specific records on rushing right now. Uh, but Minnesota and Jacksonville do have a lot in common in that regard. They have a quarterback that they don't trust uh, with 100 percent of the offense. They have uh, injured wide receivers, um, and basically they're they're trying to win because of their defense and because of their rushing. So yeah. those teams it'd be fun to see them play each other, but I don't think they do. Which two? Uh, Jacksonville and Minnesota. Uh, no, they will not play each other. Yeah, it would be some old school football. It would just be like... Uh... Maybe they'll play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> hey, both teams look like they can win the division right now. They do. I'm not betting on Super Bowl uh, bursts from those two, though. No, that's true. Uh, Carson Palmer broke his arm. We saw the play uh, live when he did that, and it's pretty crazy... This guy was actually leading the team to what looked like another resurgence, another time, another opportunity for Arizona to, you know, take Larry Fitzgerald and now Adrian Peterson and David Johnson would come back. And as of last week, I totally agree with you, but he, I think he broke his arm at the end of the first half when they were already down by like three touchdowns. Well, fair enough, but <laughs> but my point is that uh, you you saw the uh, the little documentary, the docudrama that they made on Amazon uh, for the uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, last year. And I just feel bad for them because it's one of those teams where they do have good coaching, they have good players, and they have a good strategy, but it just keeps like failing on them towards the middle to the end of every year, and it's it's almost going to be impossible for them now to to you know to go to stand up and get to the playoffs because now they have Drew Stanton under center who is nobody's first pick for anything. No, I mean, I don't even think Drew Stanton's mother would pick him as the first quarterback on their <laughs> like Turkey Day team. And a lot of people are, are, are questioning that and saying maybe Blaine Gabbert should go out there because he gives him a better shot to win. Now, I trust Bruce Arians. I, I like the guy. Yeah, Bruce Arians knows more about offense than all the people who say that. Yeah. That being said... I- 
I wonder if he just wasn't ready Drew for Stanton's that game. Clearly not the, the answer here. Yeah, exactly. So, so what do you do with Cardinals players now? We've got at least uh, uh, Carson was talking about four to six weeks, but I think it'll be more like six to eight weeks before he can come back, which means they would pretty much have to have uh, the record to get into the playoffs before he comes back, uh, or else they're not going to do anything with it. And him. I think that's going to fall in line with uh, David Johnson as well. If they're just terrible, I don't see a lot of activity from David Johnson at the end of the year to sort of pick up your team at the end of the year. No, the backup quarterback and the offense has to change itself, mold itself to a different shape, and do do well enough to, to get into the playoffs in order for Palmer and Johnson, I think, to see the field at the end of the year. So Arizona got dominated in pretty much all aspects of this game. They held, you know, the, the time of possession was 2-1 to one in favor of the Rams. Um, you know, they only had 25 rushing yards, 184 passing yards, did the Cardinals. So I don't know that you can necessarily take this game as a gauge for what to expect from the, them going forward. I think Blaine Gabbert does give their guys a little bit of an upgrade because that means that they're probably going to go ahead and run the throw the ball a little bit still. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, right now nobody had more than five targets on the team. Um, so Larry Fitzgerald, I think you got to still start for another week, kind of like you started Jared uh, Nelson, uh, Jordy Nelson, last week. But, you know, don't hesitate to pull the plug on those guys either. I mean... Well, this is the tough stuff. If you're going to assume, and we have to assume, that the offense is going to be at least not as good as it was, and at worst case scenario, one of the worst uh, offenses in the NFL without uh, Carson and without uh, David Johnson, the two pinnacles of that offense besides Larry Fitzgerald... Then do you do you try to trade those players while they're while they're at least you know have some upside in, in short term memory? I suppose, but you're trading low at this point. I had someone offer me Adrian Peterson today, and it was all the willpower I had just to not respond laughing at the guy. <laughs> like you really think that Adrian Peterson is worth much at all right now? Like you have the gall to ask for like a good player for Adrian Peterson? Yeah, well that's tough. So yep. so for these guys, I think we're going to say you should you should hold and and still maybe start Larry because he'll get a lot of targets. But I have a hard time starting anyone else on the offense right now. Yeah, I mean Stanton threw the ball fourteen times, only got sixty two passing yards. He had nothing but garbage time and couldn't do anything with it. Well, I have a feeling they'll they'll retool the offense around uh, Peterson and more of a dink and dunk offense. Uh, so we'll see how that works. Unless they do bring yeah, in, you need a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield if you're going to do that. Yeah, no, I understand. Adrian Peterson's strength, as as has been, you know, repeated as ad nauseum this year, it's is, it's Andre Ellington is is that guy on that team, and he was hurt last week, right? Uh, so Kerwin Williams only had four targets, two catches for twenty seven yards. He had the team long twenty five yard reception, um, but you know, for Adrian Peterson to work, you're going to use lots of runs and then play action, and then you're going to throw the ball deep down the field, which is exactly what Bruce Arians likes to run. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly possible that they're able to sort of shift to that sort of game plan. I don't think that a dink and dunk type offense is going to work at all for Carolina, for the Cardinals. Well, I didn't say it would work. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you can only do so much with the quarterbacks you have. But That's true. But yeah, hopefully for everyone's sake, Carson Palmer can come back and it's not a terrible uh, fracture. It doesn't take too long. But his age is going to be a determining factor there. 
you know, an older quarterback in the NFL takes longer to recover than a guy that's like, say, Deshaun Watson got injured or something. Cross my fingers. Hope it doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> well, now that you've jinxed him, way to go, Dave. The uh, Gurley and Goff show, talking about the other side of that game, uh, which is what I'm calling the Rams now, won 33-0 against the Cardinals. So if Goff can connect more with Watkins, if the offense can continue to be explosive, um, can can this be a team that makes it to the playoffs and, and even further you know, down the postseason? And are, are their numbers just going to continue to be pretty gaudy? Uh, you know, the Rams are in a division with the Seattle Seahawks, who can't be ruled out really at all until they're you know eliminated. So um, I do like the Rams as a possible NFC Championship uh, team still, though. I think that they have the tools you need. They have the defense, they have the running game, and they don't have a quarterback that's going to lose them the game. It would be fun. You know, a year can make a whole lot of difference, and it really did in this case, and a lot of the management shakeups are behind that. But still, Jared Goff is a guy now who doesn't look afraid of uh, of the opposing uh, defense, whereas last year he was, he was having trouble even going out there and being, you know, uh, just a, a standard average football player. I feel like you can gauge Jared Goff's progress – based on Carson Wentz. Wentz started at the beginning of the year last year, and Goff started about halfway through the year. And Carson Wentz has about six, you know, about a half a season on Jared Goff, and that shows all around. Like, Goff had some success at the beginning of the year, but he still got the growing pains, and Carson Wentz has been able to sort of shake those off. He had the growing pains at the beginning of this season, and he's played incredibly well. And I'm sure that we'll talk about the Eagles and gush about that offense a little bit later on tonight, but... You know, I still think that Jared Goff is going to be able to keep improving throughout the year. Sean McVay is not the kind of coach that is going to get stuck in old ways. And no, I like that. he'll keep shaking it up. He's a young guy, and of course that's what you're going to see here in, a, in kind of an industry, if I can call it that. It is an industry that was dominated by much older presences, owners and managers alike. And you're seeing now there has been a lot of a shakeup as far as coaches are concerned. We'll see even more of it because you get successes coming out of younger coaches. And and the NFL teams, they always follow successes with uh, copycat behavior. Copycat league, that's right. So we'll get younger coaches, and then eventually we're going to get you know younger owners and younger managers and other people. I don't know about the owners. You have to have an awful lot of money. To... After they pass away, there's uh... a... <laughs> <laughs> you have an awful lot of money to be an owner. You're right. But but they will go to a younger uh, coaching staff when you see the younger coaching staffs doing well. Uh, Bears rookie safety Eddie Jackson scored two defensive touchdowns against the Panthers, and that's all they needed. In fact, they only really needed one of them, but he got two. <laughs> so my points are this. One, the Bears can't score on offense. They are really bad at offense. I, I don't... I... I think that's sort of offense optional for the Bears right now. And two, uh, is their defense worth a look in fantasy because it has been a whole lot better? Um, is this kind of a trap thing that they're setting up for us here? Or are the Bears actually going to be a good team that performs well defensively against other good teams? Because Carolina is definitely one of those teams that, uh, like the Steelers and some other teams, can have really bad games even though they can also have really uh, good offensive games. Definitely a, a trap if you're going to start the Bears defense this week. Don't rush to pick them up because they play the Saints, yeah, and then they go on by. Right. Don't start them against the Saints. The Saints are playing very well right now. Uh, the last few games, the Saints, I mean, really the last, um, I don't know, I would say the Saints have, must have at least 30 points in the last several games. Or well, close to it. you can count on uh, on Drew Brees to be, to be throwing up a lot of points. And Mark Ingram's been uh, exceedingly good this year, especially after they released the Adrian Peterson shackles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
And, and one of the really interesting Adrian Peterson stats is that he's played more games in London than he has for at home for any of the teams that he's been on this year. Yeah, what's the London game uh, on Sunday, by the way, the early game? That'll be Minnesota versus Cleveland. Oh, man. I hope you're all ready to wake up early for that one. If anyone has survivor pools left, Minnesota is the way to go. Uh, I don't, I don't trust those London games. Do not, <laughs> do not do that. If Minnesota loses to Cleveland, then if, if Cleveland's going to win a game this year, it's going to be this one. But look at all, all of the games that have happened there. Like we think that they're crazy, but honestly, they've they've kind of played out. Like Jacksonville beats Baltimore by a ton. Well, turns out Baltimore's not good, and Jacksonville, and Jacksonville is. is good. Sure. <laughs> So maybe maybe you're you're right though. Like when you have to fly that far over, and it's like a weird time of day, and you're all it it does change things for the team. Well, look, I think that the trend is that one team uh, is pretty much not going to score any points. So so the first London game was Jacksonville and uh, Baltimore. Baltimore got seven points at the very end of the game. Mm-hmm. The next game was Miami and New Orleans, uh, which was a shutout. So New Orleans shut out Miami. And then just yesterday, or two days ago, you know, the Cardinals got shut out. So I don't hold out much hope for one of those teams scoring any points at all. Which one it'll be, I don't know, because both offenses can be very anemic. Sure. Uh, It'll be Case Keenum versus Cody Kessler. Talking about Jacksonville, who played that that London game that was just crazy, TJ Yeldon was a big surprise on Sunday, running for 122 yards. Everyone assumed that Chris Ivory would be the immediate backup, and to some degree he was, getting goal line carries and having early work. But TJ Yeldon was the guy who came out early with the hot hand, and Jacksonville gave it to him. Chris Ivory did score a touchdown, saving fantasy owners who picked him up, Mike, myself included. Uh, he was definitely a one-week play if Leonard Fournette's coming back. But what we did learn here is that Jacksonville's offensive line is great, and it doesn't really matter who's running as long as they are, a, you know, a decent running back there. They're going to be able to do well behind yeah. Jacksonville's line and with those uh, those play calls that they're making. So good for Jacksonville. I mean, and you got a guy like Bortles who has a season high well, three hundred and some yard game. He almost broke his uh, his career record with yards. 330 yards, yeah. And he looked good out there, you know? And and it's weird because with when you have a good running game as a team, even a quarterback that uh, trips over his own feet can, can get a little bit more in the zone, in the rhythm, because you've got that handoff situation going every other, every other play, and you know that it's not all on you. You can still move the chains without having to pass that seven-yard, you know, third and seven. So I, I think that's the kind of thing that, that Jacksonville could be so surprising this year. Uh, your thoughts on TJ Yeldon, uh, your thoughts on uh, Leonard Fournette for the rest of the year, and if there's any validity to uh, the the rumors that he his ankle injury, which by the way he had several ankle injuries in college too, yeah. might be uh, you know kind of a lingering thing. Leonard Fournette, um, you know I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to diagnose how long he may or may not be out. Uh, as soon as he's back, I, I would start him. Um, but I don't see the Jaguars necessarily rushing him back based on the performance they got. Uh, 37 carries for 188 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Chris Ivory did have 17 carries, so he dominated the backfield in carries. He lost a fumble. I think that's why they sort of started looking to Yeldon later in the game. And let's not forget that this was Indianapolis that they played. So Yeldon's big yardage came on a big chunk of 58 yards on one carry. Um he also turned in a couple of catches for 15 yards. So Yeldon looked great. I would maybe like him going forward over Chris Ivory. I think that the team uh, might end up leaning that way as well because they're not really married to either of these guys. And uh, 
you know, they, they go on by this week, they come back, and they're going to be playing the Bengals, who are certainly the Bungles at this point. Um, they're only two and four. I don't know if the Bengals have um, the week off. No, the Bengals will be playing Indianapolis. Every time to get a little healthier. Um, but hey, look, the Jaguars are the real deal this year. Their defense is very good. Their running game is very good. We thought the defense would, would pick up last year, but it took a little longer to get it all connected. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's fun to watch. Yeah, I you know I, I've always liked the Jaguars ever since Cecil Shorts. <laughs> You know, just give me arbitrary reasons to like a team. Why not? So, um, you know, 518 total yards of offense is great. They had two turnovers in a game that they wound up winning, uh, basically getting a shutout in. So maybe the Colts are really just that bad. Uh, The Jaguars are pretty good. I I do expect them to go ahead and beat the Bengals when they come off the bye. Um, the, The real question for me on the Bengals, or I'm sorry, on the Jaguars, is who's going to be uh, worth owning on the, you know, for the receivers? You know, is it Marquise Lee? Is it Alan Hearns? No, no, it's it's a guy who's returning shortly, and his name is D.D. Westbrook, and he's a uh, he's a rookie uh, who just came out of the draft this year. He's going to be a guy that they drafted to be their big, uh, like, possession receiver. So look for so him. So like a slot guy? Look for him. No, uh, like a Brandon Marshall. Look, look okay. for look for him to be getting the majority of the passing work uh, slowly filtered in because you've got Marquise Lee and Alan Hearns and they're not slouch receivers but they're not number one receivers they're only thrown into that role. Um, but Westbrook okay. is a guy who could be the number one. He's another guy that is probably not owned in any leagues except for dynasty leagues uh, right now. But That's he true. but he's coming back apparently I think next week. Um, so well they're on by the, they're on by for a week to practice. I mean yeah yeah perfect. So that's that's my opinion, but you're right. I mean, as far as choosing between Marquise Lee or Alan Hearns, I watched a lot of that game this particular week, and Marquise Lee was getting a lot of of great passes. Six he's definitely, targets, four catches for seventy two for Lee. He's the downfield guy, whereas I think Hearns was uh, was more of like the f- first downs on the third down kind of. Uh, Eight targets, five catches, one hundred one for uh, Alan Hearns, boosted by a fifty yard catch. Okay, you know you're going to get uh, you know when you have a twenty yard average. Something in there is going to be big numbers. Yeah, the problem with picking a receiver on the Jaguars is that if they do have the running game going uh, and they're not playing a game like this where they're just on fire, uh, Bortles is only going to have like 14 passes with their current scheme. It, it is kind of surprising that they threw the ball 27 times in a game where they were shutting out the opposing team. I think it's because he's starting to recognize that, like I said, that if Bortles is getting into rhythm, they want him to be a good quarterback. They never didn't. Uh, but right. but when he doesn't do well, he doesn't do well for an entire game. He'll just keep throwing interceptions. He's, you know, it's it's just not a good uh, it's not a good look. For but the let's guy. let's put it <laughs> this way: uh, I, I forget if it's even odd game numbers or even odd week numbers. But I would go ahead and follow that for a little while with the Jaguars. You that know, that seems a little superstitious game, to me. I, <laughs> no, to me it looks like a team that uh, can't figure it out, and then. They, they sort of get their butts kicked, and then they're more motivated to figure it out. And then they rest on, okay, this is what we did. Let's keep doing that. And then they it doesn't work for them again. No. I, I don't think that they're able to string together wins. They're they're not consistent. And it play, uh, someone who's consistently not consistent, maybe you want to, you know, gamble on that a little bit as the season. You know, we're, we're talking about fantasy football, too, and we want – wins now we're going into week eight you need wins there's only six weeks left in the regular season i've never i've never followed uh like a trend like that because i don't consider it a trend 
but but I understand. I mean, look, anyone who's into gambling has some kind of superstition based on on those gambling things. And you're saying it, it, I shouldn't use the word superstition because it's happening. Uh, the reasoning you gave, perhaps, that has some validity to it. I'm not going to discount that. I, I'm I'm just going to sh- prove to you that if you project it out, it could still work. <laughs> because so, of the teams they're playing? Odd-numbered weeks. Did they, they just give won, them a bad schedule? Where they, they have were... <laughs> won in the odd-numbered weeks. One, three, five, and seven. Uh-huh. They've lost in all the even-numbered weeks. So they'll come back in week nine and play the Bengals. Probably a win. Week ten, they play the Chargers. Could be a loss. I like the Chargers. Week eleven... Yeah. They play the Browns. Easy. Week 13, <laughs> they play the Colts. Easy. You know, you see where this is going? It's when they get to the playoffs that it's going to be hard. So maybe if you have a late trade deadline, try to unload some Jaguars because weeks 14, 15, the Seahawks and the Texans come you know, come to town. And it's not going to be easy for them. No, it's certainly possible that they maintain this. And then, heck, if they, if they maintain this throughout the whole season, there's going to be a lot of superstitious guys out there. Yeah, totally. That was one of the memes uh, on Reddit. They do the state of the subreddits of all of the individual teams. And the picture that they used for the Jaguars was, you know, even number of weeks? No, thank you. Odd number of weeks? Oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I get it. Uh, Jay Cutler and the Dolphins won their game against the Jets, barely. And Cutler went down with a broken rib, out for a couple weeks. Definitely not playing this Thursday. So they'll have Matt Moore in there. And it looks like Stills and Landry are kind of... Um, you know, they're they're filling in the gaps here for Devontae Parker, who's been injured. So, uh, latest on Parker, do you, do you think that he'll be able to come back? Uh, and if he does, is Matt Moore going to be able to connect with him? I like Devontae Parker, but he, he, hasn't, he hasn't shown exactly what I thought that he would do this year. A lot of that has to do with the offensive line and with Jay Cutler's play early in the year. It was promising to see the Dolphins win this game. And regardless of whether it was Jay Cutler or Matt Moore under center, I think that they, in general, did a, a decent job. So um, what do you think about Devontae Parker? And then my second question is, Jay Ajayi, he's been a good running back. He's been solid at getting yards, uh, but he's been a little up and down based on how the Dolphins have been doing, obviously. Uh, he hasn't scored a touchdown yet through the season. That's seven weeks, uh, taking out uh, their week one bye. So that's six weeks of football, no touchdowns. Jay Ajayi, a guy that was drafted in the first round or second round of, of all your drafts. So is it time to start somebody else instead of him or look to trade him? Or do you wait until he has that good game where he scores two touchdowns and then you, you let him go? Kind of like the Packers, I feel like you'd be selling low with Jay Ajayi at this point. Well, you absolutely are selling low in all these situations. You, you are, and I suppose what you're saying is, is it worth it to cut your losses, right? Will he get better? Will he score a touchdown? You know, just like I think he can get better. I think that... Jay Cutler has been mediocre to bad all year. And I think that Matt Moore is going to provide a spark for this team. They're going to play better with Matt Moore as quarterback. And I will predict right now that Matt Moore finishes the season as the starting quarterback (laughs) for the rest of the year. They don't bring Jay Cutler back. Don't you think that has a lot to do with the offensive line and all the troubles behind it and the scandal with the offensive line coach? I think that that's behind them at this point. (laughs) Well, it's obviously behind them. I mean, you know... Right they, up the nose. Yes. They they just had a huge comeback win um, against the Jets. Against the, the Jets aren't bad this year. <laughs> um, so you know, I mean, the Jets have barely lost the last two games, and they're both division games. It's really going to hurt them. Um, but I, I like the Dolphins going forward. I really like Devontae Parker as a receiver. I'm skeptical skeptical as to you know what his. Uh, what what his connection is going to be with Matt Moore? Yeah, because you don't know. He's not been practicing the last few weeks. 
He did get in, uh, what is the wording on Roto World? And Kenny Stills uh, Officially has, limited in practice this week. Kenny Stills has been really good in, uh, in a... I in think a, Kenny Stills is the guy to pick up on that team if you need a replacement for bye weeks or injuries or whatever, what have you. Yeah, not bad. Um, I, I think that Parker is still a guy to own. They play on Thursday night. And it's it, it, perhaps, you know, it was a situation where Parker might have come back last week, but they decided to just wait and hold him out till Thursday night. Um, I, I'm not so sure about that. I think Parker might sit one more week so that he can get a big, long rest before uh, week nine. You see that a lot is, uh, you know, it looks like a guy's going to come back, trending to come back, etc. But then the coaches are like, why are we doing this? He had, you know, or someone flips a coin and comes up tails. High, low ankle sprains. It's going to take three weeks for most guys. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so th- he's been out two weeks. He'll probably be out a third week. If he plays this week, I would not recommend starting him. Uh, unless, of course, you're in, you know, he's the only guy on your team who can start. I have a team like that. If he's starting, I got to put him in this week. Because I don't have many more options. A lot of my guys are injured. So with Ajayi, then, is that another hold for you? Um, I, I've got Ajayi in one league. I'm definitely holding and starting him, basically. Although, to be honest with you, in that league, I'm totally shopping for a running back. So here's my problem with, and this is fine. What you're saying is totally fine, and I could be wrong in some of these circumstances. The reason why I bring it up, though, is because if you don't trade someone and their value never, never goes up, you've just lost all the value of that person. Yeah, but you never know what you're going to be able to trade them for. Of course you don't. I, course I don't. would test the waters. Go go ahead and test the waters with a Jai. Go ahead and test the waters with Why Packers. not? Why not offer? Maybe you find a Packers fan and he's like, oh, Jordy Nelson? You know, I'll give you whoever. I don't know. But well, value is dependent on the on, on where we are in the season. Like, for example, you have Jay Ajayi, right? And you've got Aaron Jones, who is scoring more points than him and scoring touchdowns. Uh, I don't I don't know that it would be more valuable to have Jay Ajayi than it would be to have Aaron Jones. Perhaps you could trade him for Aaron Jones. Unless you think that the Dolphins are going to suddenly thrust Ajayi into a role where he's going to totally have a I would totally take Jones for Ajayi. And you might not be able to because they're they've kind of... Their their values have crisscrossed now, right? But, sure. But all I'm saying is, I understand holding a player. I understand wanting to uh, to have someone for a while until their value comes back up. But you do have to understand, and, and we're talking specifically in redraft leagues, that you're not going to have that guy the next year. You know, it, holding them only goes so far, especially if you don't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. All you really need to do is win the next game. So yeah, uh, you should week. you shouldn't worry about rest of season valuations. Uh, necessarily, uh, is, as long as you're improving your team week by week and winning that next game, it's more important to do that. Take the Bill Belichick approach. Don't take the uh, um, uh, Tom Coughlin approach. Right. Bill Belichick would be starting guys like Chris Thompson on this fantasy team. Exactly. Because Chris Thompson is averaging 14.5 points a game. And there's some there's some coaches out there uh, that will just start the same guy over and over again, and that's not helpful <laughs> If you're not doing well, don't just keep doing it. Don't keep doing what doesn't do good things for your team. Right. So, you wind up with uh, C.J. Anderson, who's averaging less than 10 points a game right now. So let's compromise on what we're saying, and uh, that's because that's what we should usually do. And basically it's, uh, you know, if your guy isn't doing well, you should shop him around, even if you're going to get a low amount on that trade value, because you might end up getting a good... Uh, a good trade-off or someone that you think is going to do better down the season as opposed to your guy. Always better to do that. Or, or you might get lucky and the guy that you trade away gets hurt the next week. But like, always always like, better. Like Carson Palmer. Sure. But always better to do that than to just keep starting a guy who's not 
doing anything for you. Sure, sure. And we talk about starting your studs. That's true for a couple of weeks. If if they're if they're bad for three or four weeks in a row, they they fail the trend test. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, you haven't heard us say start your studs in the last couple of weeks. Um, that's that's not something that you worry about so much. This you know we're we're in the second half of the fantasy season. Well, it changes dramatically. Exactly. Um, Minnesota defense looks really sharp, sacking Joe Flacco five times, holding the Ravens to 208 total yards. They had a great, great game. I think game. I could sack Joe Flacco. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Just the, once. I'm, you know, let's not get crazy. The Pittsburgh defense looks really good, laying out Andy Dalton four times. And, uh, and they are the top dog in the passing defense, uh, passing yards per game, allowing 147 passing yards per game. Uh, which is ridiculous. I don't even know if that's been matched in the past couple of years. It's actually more than 30 yards higher, uh, or sorry, lower than the next team up. And and it's it's exciting for me as a that's Pittsburgh a great, fan. Yeah, that's a great stat. To see that. And and granted, you know, they've let through six touchdowns, but even looking at that stat, the six touchdowns, it's hardly anything. That's, that's the number four, the fourth best. After Jacksonville, Buffalo, Seattle, there's Pittsburgh. So look at a team like that that where their their defense is still floating around on some waiver wires. Please do not let it stay there. Well, Pittsburgh owned in eighty eight percent of uh, leagues now in Yahoo because of this past week. Well, you know people well, going into the past week, people aren't going to drop them then. <laughs> yeah, so you know they played. Um, They're becoming one of those top defenses again. They, and, they played some teams that that put up a lot of touchdowns. Didn't Blake Bortles have like three or four touchdowns through the air against them? Um, you know, that, that kind of skews the stats there a little bit. Well, I said they only had six six touchdowns. Exactly. What I'm saying is that... It should that be less. Six is, yeah, it should <laughs> be less. Yeah, Jacksonville did screw them up uh, a good deal. But it was probably a lot of Lennon for that, You know, they're doing well without really scoring touchdowns. They only have one touchdown of the year. So they are in the top ten of defenses. Um, the the team to look at on waivers, of course, they're going, they're going to be... Um, Going on by is the Los Angeles Rams, who have averaged twelve point three points per game on defense. Hmm. Um, well, let's uh, let's 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 break for a moment and drink some beer, my friend. Oh, there you are. All right, so a couple more things to go over. Uh, there is currently a uh, a source out on a, a subreddit um, that that I like to go to and check out, saying that Andrew Luck will not play this year, and it's not the first time I've heard that on the Twitterverse. I've heard it a couple other times from local beat reporters, etc. That's what I've speculated most of the year. That Andrew Luck will not play. That he is more injured than people think, and that they're just going to allow him to get healthy. Colts are bad at managing these injuries. Yeah, so so that means for us, all those people that drafted, you know, Dante Moncrief, uh, guys that uh, are, tend to only be good with Andrew Luck or a better quarterback and a better passing offense, never going to happen. Jacoby Brissett is is decent uh, as far as a below average quarterback is concerned, <laughs> but he's the, one of the best of the bad. The Colts are just not going to do very well. Uh, Aaron Jones looks pretty cemented as a lead back in Green Bay. We talked about that earlier. Ty Montgomery getting over his rib injury. He's going to be inserted back into the game, and he'll end up doing what he was doing um, uh, two years ago, 
which which was uh, a guy that mixes in getting some receptions in the backfield and doing some work as a receiver also in special teams and and returns. But I think we could see Ty Montgomery take the role back over. Right now, Aaron Jones is cemented. So I would say not in the next couple of weeks. Something big would have to happen. Aaron Jones is the running back right now. And that's how it's going to be. Absolutely. Absolutely there. Um, let's talk about the uh, pick five, five pickups for week eight. Um, I, I went ahead and, and did this this week. Our, our usual writer, Jim Hutchins, uh, is, is otherwise occupied. But he will be back for next week. Uh, so again, we we have a percent. So no divisional special this week. Yeah, <laughs> uh, percent owned based on Yahoo leagues at the time of publication, which was uh, earlier this morning. Uh, we're talking about Josh Doxson, fourteen percent owned. In my opinion, Doxson is the number one receiver there because Pryor and Crowder can't get it together. Chris Thompson is currently the number one receiver on that team, but that's not how the coach wants it to be. All of the, I don't think any coaches want their running back to be the best receiver. Yeah. All the coach speak, all the management speak, tells me that Doxon will be the number one receiver there. And he did okay this past game, but but look at his uh, trending uh, snaps that he's playing every game. He has now basically taken over for uh, Jameson Crowder and Terrell Pryor and moving into the number one position. So I, I think Jordan Reed is still going to be the top target there. He was targeted ten times this past game, eight catches. Um, and then, you know, Crowder had six, Doxton had five targets. Chris Thompson also had five targets. The thing about Chris Thompson, he catches the ball all the time. Five <laughs> targets, five catches. And, you know, I, they're going to keep giving him the ball. Twelve touches again this week. Expect, you know, 11 to 13 touches a game from him. Well, the top receiver role is what I'm, I'm referring to. Right. Uh, I mean, you could you could call you could role. call Jordan Reed a receiver. You know he's going to get injured again at some point in the year. So you can count on it. <laughs> rolling the dice on Reed is okay for a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, I think that Doxon will slowly become uh, an all star in the NFL, especially on this offense at the end of this year. Kirk Cousins is a passing machine. He's going to throw for four thousand plus yards, and Doxon is going to be the lead benefactor of that on the on the receivers on the team. So fourteen percent owned. If you do not pick him up this week, if he's available and you do not pick him up, you are an idiot. I am calling you an idiot. Sure, and he's been trending up, but he does only have seven catches on the year because because he's just coming up. Exactly, and he's but kind of coming out of the doghouse. There's only one these way these guys can really succeed once they're let loose. He's been injured as well. There's only one way. For you to pick up these guys before they actually, you know, become superstars. You have to do it before the breakout game. Okay. Here's the only issue with him. They play Dallas, Seattle, and Minnesota. I don't care about that. Cousins is going to throw the ball, like, what, 35, 40 times a game or something? Uh, probably. I mean, Kirk Cousins is going to throw the hell out of the ball because he wants to go to another team next year, and he wants to look good doing it. <laughs> so, yeah, they threw the ball 40 times last week, 300 and... Three yards and three touchdowns. There's there's so much air there, and he's the best receiver on the team. So I I just I see this happening. Please pick him up. DeAndre Washington, four percent owned. Really interesting. Marshawn Lynch shoved the referee out of bounds, not out of bounds, but uh, away from the play. Got him ejected from the game. I think in the second quarter, uh, and then Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington filled in for him. They both split carries, kind of like a Latavius murray uh, Jarek McKinnon relationship. But what's interesting is that DeAndre Washington got the goal line carries, including one that turned into a touchdown. Oakland is a good offense. They're going to get to the goal line, and he's going to be the guy that gets the touchdown this week uh, if they if that's you know the scenario that happens. So I would say DeAndre Washington, not Jalen Richard. Jalen Richard might get plenty of carries. 
he's not going to get the goal line carries. You got to take the guy that the coach will call to go over the line. That's the guy you kick. Uh, so, my opinion is uh, take DeAndre Washington if you need a running back fill in. Great pick for a week. Yeah, I mean, uh, as soon as Marshawn Lynch comes back, he'll take over the role. Maybe, maybe, but maybe the management doesn't like him so much. Maybe they'll start to filter in these other guys and uh, kind of leave Lynch on the back burner. Marshawn's been bad this year. He only has 72 carries on the year, 38 uh, yards per game, 3.7 yards per carry. Right, so there's definitely an opening here, and you could come in here and you know get a pre-sale. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, great guy, great great touchdown celebrations. He did a Dragon Ball Z celebration that was really cool, and then he did a hide-and-seek celebration with uh, Le'Veon Bell. Um, he picked a terrible hiding place. <laughs> well, it... It doesn't even matter. The touchdown celebrations don't matter. But what really is exciting to me is that this is one of the youngest players in the league. He's doing really well on an offense that needs a spark. Um, and he's become the number two receiver on a, a, a super good offensive team, at least hypothetically. Um, and the Steelers themselves have been moving up and up from earlier in the year where they weren't scoring a lot. So I love Juju. Only 15% owned. In a PPR league, he's going to be getting four or five passes per game now. Uh, he's moving into the role of Martavis Bryant with all the drama you know, associated with Bryant. He is in the concussion protocol, but regardless of whether or not he plays this next week, uh, he is going to be a guy to own uh, going forward. So um, I, I think he's probably going to pass... I've heard everything just say that you know he's in the protocol, but he's fine. It was a light concussion. Yeah, it wasn't even uh, anything that came up until Monday, right? Yeah, yeah. It almost seemed like it was it was a thing to appease Martavis Bryant. You know what I mean? I'm not going to walk into that. I, kind you don't want to sure, like, <laughs> but it just feels like uh, it, it could just be part of the drama on the team, and I just hope that the drama on the team doesn't distract from uh, a team that's playing very well right now on defense. And figuring out its offense. They're another team, we've been talking about it all night, that is playing good defense and running the ball. They need to get their passing game back in line, and then they're going to be great. But no team has all three of those things going on right now. Yeah, they're working on it. I think during the game, it was Tony Romo called them the most complete team in the NFL, which I really enjoyed hearing from him. They're the, Of all the teams we've talked about so far that have a running game and a good defense, they maybe have the best, they have, not maybe, they certainly have the best running back. And they have the most potential in the passing game. Um, they just need to put it together uh, in the passing game. And this, ben Roethlisberger is like the weak link there right now. The Steelers, like like the Patriots and maybe like the Eagles, are hypothetically the, the best teams in the NFL. Sure. But uh, it's, it's tough. <laughs> uh, Marlon Mack, 41% owned. So he is owned by a lot of teams. However, Robert Turbin's injury knocked him out for the season. Marlon Mack stepped up. Uh, he's getting a ton of uh, of recognition in the running game. Frank Gore is the other guy on that team, and they're going to continue to run the ball and focus on that because they don't have uh, a really good passing attack. So with Marlon Mack, I think he'll just continue to seed uh, some carries from uh, from Frank Gore throughout the season. And I don't think Frank Gore is gonna gonna not play because I've done this year after year, and he always plays. But Marlon Mack is getting his right now. He's doing well getting points. He was uh, four for six for 40 yards in week seven with another 30-yard catch called back. He's doing well in the passing down game, which means Marlon Mack for PPR leagues is is kind of a uh, of a stud pickup. Yeah. Uh, and then O.J. Howard, Tampa Bay, 14% owned. He had six receptions for 98 yards and two scores. 
The bad thing about that is that Cameron Brait, who is the tight end who is starting with him or slightly above him, depending on your perspective, uh, got even more uh, targets in that game. And I think what they're going to start doing is running these two tight end sets uh, in Tampa. And they've yeah. also got uh, Mike and Deshaun. So you've got four guys going out. And that's great. That's almost an embarrassment of riches when you look at a bunch of other teams. Yeah. The thing about O.J. Howard is that uh, I think both of his touchdowns came on plays that were busted coverage. He was absurdly wide open. Like, you know, no one within 15 yards of him. Uh, so that that is not going to continue I think that Cameron Braid is still the tight end to start every week there. O.J. Howard is a better player than him. But he, he's still a rookie. But exactly. But I'm, what I'm saying and, and, and suggesting is that this is a guy that you could pick up maybe as a flex because tight end is super weak this year. It's very thin. Uh, and yeah. O.J. Howard could easily break into the top 15. If you don't have good wide receivers and there's no one to pick up on your waiver, slot into a flex is not a bad position. I wouldn't start both Brait and Howard because it's unlikely that both of them will have big games at the same time every week. Correct. But uh, but yeah, picking one of the two in a spot play is not a too too bad of an idea. Yep. So those are the guys that I'm looking at. Um, we have a couple more things to cover. Uh, are there is there maybe one or two stats that you want to highlight from your article? Jason's article every week is statistically insignificant at drink5.com. Uh, and it's an entertaining article because the statistics that occur a numbers game in the NFL is always pretty funny the way that things shake out. Sure. So we did talk about almost all this stuff. So it'll be real quick. Um, we mentioned Joe Thomas. It's a shame that he got hurt. He played 10,363 consecutive snaps. In a row. By far the biggest Ironman streak ever in the NFL. I think that's more impressive than Brett Favre's streak of games, even though it lasted much longer. Um, it's much harder to never miss a single snap. Um, we talked about all the shutouts that have been going on in London. We talked about Eddie Jackson and his two return touchdowns. That was pretty impressive. Maybe more impressive was that Mitch Trubisky won the game and only completed four passes. Absolutely. 40% of the offense occurred on one play. Um, well, Trubisky didn't win the game. <laughs> yeah. Running backs are still... Uh, doing well compared to wide receivers. I'll keep looking at that basically week to week at this point. Uh, so make sure you check out uh, in this every week. Um, every Monday, I try to post up the article by the early afternoon. Uh, if I'm traveling home, then it may be in the evening. Um, but the, the one thing that we did not get to that I put up in the article was basically the Oakland Raiders offense. Amari Cooper put up 33 points on Thursday Night Football. Um, and maybe not all Thursday Night Football games are going to be bad, right? So, Cooper had only 8.4 points over his last five games. Three of those games, he had less than a point. He was only started in 69% of Yahoo leagues. So, do not, you know, don't despair if you didn't start him. You didn't make a bad decision. Put it that way. Um, Sure. He did have 19 targets last week. So, it's pretty clear that Oakland was making a great effort to get him back into the game. Derek Carr also had a great game. He had 417 yards and three touchdowns. Um, so I really think that Oakland could be considered as being back right now. Um, they played very well. They're going to have 10 days to rest up until their next game, uh, which is against the Buffalo Bills this coming week. So, um, you know, we'll enjoy that this week. You know, I'm always excited about football. 
And uh, looking, Always. looking forward to this, this next week. We're going to have a little bet redemption. This is week eight, and so that, that literally makes it the halfway point of all uh, regular season games that mean something um, for fantasy, anyway. <laughs> uh, week 17 is not usually uh, something that, that comes into effect when you're talking about fantasy leagues. It shouldn't be. There are some leagues uh, that, that do use that, but, but understand... But those leagues are bad, and they're wrong. They're, they're wrong, Dave. They're bad, and they should feel bad, Jay. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> Um, Week 17 is for, uh, you know, a random DFS play. Relax. <laughs> All the games are on the same day. You know, it's around the holidays. You don't have to make it a football day. Take a, take a, take a bye week for yourself before the playoffs start. So we like to do uh, an over-under uh, kind of uh, betting thing every, every uh, show. And we're going to do it at the end of every show, probably throughout the year, unless something else comes up, etc., Unless we find a different way to bet on things. Okay. I, I know that today that we have, uh, we're kind of up against uh, uh, baseball postseason. Uh, so we may not have a lot of people in the chat room contributing. But um, I want to encourage you guys to listen to the show after the fact. Uh, if you're listening to it right now, uh, I wonder if you uh, got it from iTunes or from Stitcher. iTunes.com. You can search for Drink 5 Network or Stitcher. You can do the same thing. And I would love if you guys would throw out a review for the podcast. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, again, we come from Drink5.com, and you can reach Jason or Let I. Let us know what you think. Let us know if we gave you bad advice. <laughs> yes, Surely do that. We'll yes. buy you a beer the next time you're at the bar with us. Uh, Dave at drink5.com or Jason at drink5.com. Uh, I know you might have a favorite, but it probably changes from week to week because there's no way that one guy uh, you know, just has the, the best advice throughout the season, right? Right. Uh, you gotta, the consensus is a, is a good thing from time to time anyway. Uh, and, and always uh, follow us at twitter.com slash drink5, facebook.com slash drink5network, instagram.com slash drink5. And we hope that you guys will continue to check out the show on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Central. We are going to go over the bets right now. And uh, Jason, last week, if you can give us a quick recap, and then we'll do the next one. Of course uh, you want to recap for, last week, Dave. For next week. So last, key, last week was hey, I've been doing well lately. running back themed, and Dave <laughs> swept me. He went under Devontae Freeman's 12 points, which he only had nine. He went under for Howard, Jordan Howard, who only had... Uh, 6.5, which was surprising in a game when they did nothing but run the ball. Yeah, uh, He went over with Mark Ingram, who had a big game, 17 points. Mark Ingram has been, I think, the best running back in the game. He's awesome. Uh, for the last like two or three weeks, um, because he's scoring touchdowns, and Le'Veon Bell isn't quite doing that yet. Well, you know, I, I, I've i loved him for, for a while now, right? But he's, You've been big on him, It's yeah. always been like Sean Payton saying, but I don't really like him, but it's so stupid because he's statistically so much better than anything else. I think Sean Payton is finally <laughs> discovering that it doesn't matter if he likes him or not, he's still a good football player. You don't have to go out to dinner with the guy, just give him the ball, right? Right, and then yeah. finally we had Shady McCoy with his best game of the year. We set his line at only 9.5. Uh, Dave, you know, pushed that down and took the over. And he scored 22.2. 22. So uh, these beers today were courtesy of that bet. I hope that they fulfill the spirit of the bet. Hey, they're almost gone, and they're fantastic. So we're going to do the same thing uh, this this, uh, week, as long as you're okay with that, which is good beers, quality beers, uh, purchased by the loser uh, for the following podcast, which will be for the Week 9 preview. Fantastic. Okay, well, uh, let's let's dig in. So, uh, Jameson Crowder, uh, one of the top guys in receptions across the whole league last season, really hyped up this year. 
to to be a, a wonderful receiver fantasy wise in Kirk Cousins passing offense. And he's only caught 19 for 149 over 6 games. So very disappointing so far. Best game of the year he was 6 for 52 against Oakland. He's playing Dallas this particular week. So can he match that uh, and score five or more points in a standard scoring league. It's crazy that at this point in the in the year, with a healthy Jamison Crowder, I would say, can he score five? Can he put up five whole points? And we're going to start with Jason. Dallas Cowboys are giving up the seventh most points to opposing wide receivers. Um, oh, God. I mean, only five <laughs> points, man. If it's only five, I got to say he's going over five. It would it would be close to his best game of the season. It would be his best game of the season. In standard scoring, he has not scored five yet. He has two negative games. He had 52 yards against Oakland. Um, yeah, but he had a fumble in that game. Okay, fine. So, so his best game of the season score, would be five or more. He had 4.7 as his best game. So over or under against Dallas? I, I'm going to go over. Okay. Over five. Well, then I'll go under. All right. Thanks for not pushing the points there. <laughs> I don't think I would have been able to do it. <laughs> Crowder was 60 yards. Huh? This year, that doesn't look good. Uh, <laughs> Mitchell uh, requests, by the way, that we call him Mitchell. Did he send you a text message? No. He At the beginning of the year, he was on a couple television broadcasts, and, and the first thing he said to them was, because they say Mitch Trubisky here, yeah. and he's like, please, can you call me Mitchell? I'm like, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. His entry on Pro Football <laughs> Reference is Mitch. So Mitch Mitchell Trubisky, so it's basically his nickname now, uh, <laughs> has had a shaky start to the NFL career that with the Bears. The Bears are winning a couple games, but he's a terrible quarterback as far as, at least because of his opportunities. No, no, no. Oh, God. His nickname, Mr. Biscuit. No, that's, that's not good. That's the thing. He's only completed 24 passes for 348 yards and two touchdowns over three games. That's Really, that's just a Drew Brees game or an Aaron Rodgers game. It's, uh, not a very good one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my question is, can he top 13 points in a standard scoring league against New Orleans? New Orleans, the team that used to be Swiss cheese, can he get 13 points against New Orleans? It seems absurd that 13 points is a line for a quarterback. And thankfully, you get to go first on this one. And I'm going to say under. Yeah, I go under as well. Damn, it moves down to 12. 12 points for Mitchell Trubisky. I so, mean, really, isn't it the coach's fault that he's not throwing the ball more? No, it's it's they don't have any talent at all. He's got a... No talent at all is still more than seven attempts a game. I don't think he's good, and they have no talent at receiver. You don't think he's good at all? Like, you don't think that it'll pan out if he has receivers? I think Trubisky is not a quarterback that will stand the test of time. Oh, I think that... He can play in the league. He just look. He's very new. He's very green. A lot of these guys, like I, I, personally, I'm a fan of throw them out there right away and see what they got. It worked for a guy like Carson Wentz. Sometimes it works. Like all players, sometimes they work out. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. So twelve. So twelve. Where are you going? I'm going under. Under twelve. I'll go under twelve as well. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any faith that the Bears are going to let him throw the ball. Holy cow! All right. Okay, so eleven. We're at eleven. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, o- I'll go over eleven points. Oh. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, I'm sure this is a case like Jameson Crowder, where he's just never scored this many points in a game yet this year. Well, I mean, he had a 74 yard pass to Tariq Cohen last week. Yeah, it was a pass that went 20 yards, and Tariq that went an extra 50. 
He still got the 74 yards for it or whatever it was, though. Yeah, that's three points. Well, Tariq Cohen's the only receiver on that team. So, he's actually trending down. He's got 10 and 9 and 4. How terrible is that, man? I'll go under. Why the hell not? All right. I'm basically saying he's going to throw one touchdown, which is really hard for him to do. Even one touchdown <laughs> might not make him, might not push him over because of the lack of yardage. That's true. Next, uh, we're moving on to Le'Veon Bell. Fantastic fantasy player. Has finally caught up to where he should be. Uh, if only he had just gone to training camp. Uh, I get it. I understand. He wanted he wanted more I can't money. Blame him for he deserves to, more money. Yeah. But but heck, I mean, now he's back to standard Le'Veon Bell fantasticness. Rushing 35 times for 134 yards and caught three passes for 58 against the Bengals last week. Uh, this week, they go to Detroit. So can Bell keep up these numbers and score at least 18 fantasy points in a standard scoring league? Oh, it's going to be on me to pick first, isn't it? Yep. That's a tough game. They play, like you said, they're going into Detroit. Um, Ford Field. So, how is Detroit against the running back? Let's take a look. It doesn't matter. How are they against Le'Veon Bell? Historically, there's probably no stats against that. <laughs> um, Detroit Lions, 13th most. They're kind of in the middle. They're upper middle class, I would give them. Um, a couple of big games they've given up. Devontae Freeman, Mark Ingram had a really big game against them. I, you know, the Steelers can't help but lean on Le'Veon Bell right now. Um I would go, no, it's going to be, damn, this is a tough one. I when, it, when I saw the notes on this, I was like, 18 points. Come on, I'm going under on that. Oh, uh, I don't think but, so. Uh, he scored more than that, generally. If he scores a touchdown, then he's clearly going He's going to go over 20. You're talking about all-purpose yards? You could do it just with all-purpose yards like he did last week. Now, if you if you score, if you have 120 all-purpose yards and you score a touchdown, then that's it. Then the odds of that happening with Bell, I would say, are over fifty percent. I, ay ay ay. You saw how they drove down and just went right in last year. <laughs> he, you know, he's gone over hundred yards three times this year, and it's not even like it's just sneaking over the line. It's one hundred and thirty-four. And you have to take into you have to take into account the fact that the first three games were where he wasn't really warmed up or ready to play. So I uh, will go. <laughs> Under. Okay, I'll go over. I don't like betting against Le'Veon Bell. He's one of my favorite players in the league. Oh, he's terrific. And Stafford, Matt Stafford, that same game. Oops, I, I wrote it down incorrectly. I should have kept it. <laughs> he, he had a slump midseason, but has since picked up pace, throwing about five touchdowns, well, exactly five touchdowns, in the past two games. Going up against Pittsburgh defense that has only allowed 147 yards a game through the air, like we mentioned earlier. Can Stafford even play here? Can he squeak out a decent play, scoring more than 12 fantasy points? Uh, so Pittsburgh giving up the second fewest points to opposing quarterbacks, only 10.66 points per game. That's awesome. I know it is. It's great. <laughs> I mean, they, they've given up 172 yards per game, uh, which is about 10 better than the... Jacksonville Jaguars. It's my turn, yes? It's your turn. I, I stay over. You're going over on the Matt Stafford tick. I'm going to go under on it then. I mean... Okay, great. I know it's... Wait, wait. It's 12? It's 12 points. Oh. What was I thinking? Well, you just... He's going to score 12. You just said the stats for the Steelers. He's going to score He's gonna score 12. Go over. I mean, Blake Bortles put up more than average on them. Like, yeah, I go over. 
I go okay. over with that. So that's 13 points. Even Andy points. Dalton scored more than 12. Sitting at 13 points. 13 points. And I'll go over 13. Um, yeah, I'd go over 13. Okay, sitting at 14 points. I go over 14 points. Uh, I'll, I'll go under on the 14. All right. So uh, unlike most weeks, I have more unders than overs. <laughs> so perhaps we will turn this around and you will be picking up beers next Tuesday. Well, I'm fine with that as long as I'm drinking beer either way. Yeah, then you're pretty much fine with it. I, uh, I don't have a tiebreaker because I just decided that I don't like them. So if we happen to tie, then we, we just... We both have to buy like We both buy beers. Yeah, that's fine. Cool. Well, that's great. So, uh, so like I said, uh, I... I Ran over, I think, most of the things that we do on a weekly basis. But the most important thing, guys, uh, is is that you you pay attention to your lineups on a weekly basis and you make waiver claims. You're supposed to make them, you know, free agent, auction budget, whatever you need to do. Yeah. Don't forget to manage your team. But don't be the guy that loses because he thought that his team was good enough and never never did any management. So thank you, Jason, for uh, thank you for hanging out this evening. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Check us out next week at eight o'clock. Yeah, we'll see you guys later. Drink five. Cheers. <laughs>